Hi, I'm Tim McConnell, head girls basketball coach, Shark Tears Valley High School. And this is Dingo Talk. You want to know by now. You want to know by now. You want to know by now. You want to know. You want to know. You want to What's going on, Chuckleheads? I am Carlo Guadagnino. This is Dingo Talk. My guest, head women's basketball coach at Shark Tears Valley High School, Tim McConnell. Coach McConnell, thank you for joining us. CJ, it's great to see you. It's been a long time. I remember the good days at Char Valley when you were here. So uh, it's always a pleasure to talk to you, my friend. It is great to catch up with you. It's been, it's been too long. Um, so for those of you who don't know, Coach McConnell was the fastest coach to 500 wins in, the, in Pennsylvania, I believe. Uh, now has eclipsed 600 wins. And we will get into all of those wins and where, that program, where the programs have gone. But first, we got to start off with the fact Guy is born and raised in Western Pennsylvania from Brookline. How did you get into basketball? Why was basketball the sport that you you uh, gravitated to? You know, I grew up with seven brothers and sisters, eight of us all together. We went to a little Catholic grade school in Brookline called Our Lady of Loretto. And there was a guy there. His name was Dan Kale. We didn't have football. We didn't have any other sports, but we did have basketball. And Dan Kale coached every team from third grade through eighth grade. And I just remember going to practices with my brother when he was a little bit older and then playing on the team. And it's just something that we fell in love with as a family. It was something that we really enjoyed and we had a lot of fun with it. But Dan Kale really uh, sparked that interest for me and my family. Well, and, you know, 1982, you're the co-captain to a Whoopio champion and a PI state PIA state runner-up. So, again, not um, not a stranger to going down to the Palumbo and heading out to Hershey. Um, when you got to Waynesburg, why Waynesburg? Well, first I went to Geneva College for two years. And then um, it's just – you know, the coach was leaving, and I just thought it would be a good change for me. And Waynesburg's point guard, Ray Tilly, was leaving, and um, I visited Waynesburg and just really fell in love with the coaching staff. Rudy Marisa was just tremendous, and I knew it was a right fit for me, and it's, it's the best thing I ever did was going to Waynesburg College. And when you were at Waynesburg, they were not the Division Three PAC member that we know them as today. They were still in the NAIA, correct? That is correct. We're in the NAIA District 18, playing St. Vincent's, Point Park, Westminster, uh, schools like that. And uh, we had some great rivalries and had a lot of success at Waynesburg. And uh, it was some really good basketball. Well, and I would be remiss if I didn't bring up, because Bobby Fox, the sports information director, helped me out last night, very late after a couple home games. Um, I would say that you were pretty successful, seeing as, as we sit today in 2022, you are still the single game and single season assist holder there at Waynesburg. Um, so as you're going through your time as a basketball player, when does the switch happen in your mind that you're going to go into coaching? You know, in college, I knew that I was not good enough to go to the next level. It was a dream, obviously, as a young kid to play in the NBA, but just knew that that was not possible. I was realistic and I knew that I wanted to get into coaching. So I went back for an extra year at Waynesburg and coach Marisa let me be an assistant. And then I went to Canisius college as a grad assistant and just knew that I had a love for the game. 
and wanted to be able to give back to that great game of basketball and help develop young men and young women and just be a part of it. So I knew coaching was the best way for me to stay involved in this great game. But before we get into your coaching career, let's unpack the, because you said seven brothers and sisters. Uh, I believe you've met a couple of them in different uh, title situations or game situations. Um, let's just run that down. So your brother, Tom, is at IUP. He's the head coach at IUP Women's, yes. Your brother, Mike, is an official who was in the national championship for the women's game this year. Yeah, he's really done a good job of, you know, making his way up the ladder. And this past year, he ref the national championship game, which is pretty phenomenal. Your last last year, you and your sister had what can only be described as the biggest family rivalry you can have because on both sides of the scores table, there's a McConnell standing there. One of them is going to raise the title. The other, it might be a little dicey conversation for Thanksgiving dinner. Um, what was that experience like coaching against your sister? You know what? It was really tough because, you know, I just remember after the game, my parents saying, we, we can't even come to this game anymore because, you know, we want both of you to win. It, it's just, it was a tough game for my parents to be a part of, but, you know, it's all part of it. I mean, you know, we knew one was going to win, one was going to lose. And if she would have won, I would have been happy for her. And she was happy for me. Um, but, you know, just playing against family like that for a Whippeal championship and knowing one of you have to lose is a tough thing, especially for my parents, like I said. Well, and that's a thing for you, though, right? Your family, your parents specifically, they come to almost every game. They don't miss a game from what I remember. They don't, they don't miss. My parents still come to games. They don't even have grandchildren playing, but they love Char Valley. They love coming to games. It's close for them. They live in Brookline, the same house we grew up in. So, you know, they they love Char Valley through and through. So I got to ask you, of the boys in your family, who's the best shooter? Oh, I'd be the best shooter for sure. There's no doubt. You know, my brother, Michael, he went to the dark side. He's a referee, so he, he doesn't even count anymore. But Tommy would be a close second, but I, I would not shoot him, no doubt. Now, how about as, as a family as a whole? Are you the best shooter overall? or? Well, Kathy, she represented the family for the uh, Pepsi Challenge shootout at the Cleveland Cavaliers for Pittsburgh. So she'll tell you she's the best shooter. Susie thinks she's a really good shooter, but um, I, I'm going to stick with my guns and say I'm the best shooter in the family. Now, does that does that drop down to your kids as well and their kids? Can you can you outshoot TJ or Maddie or Megan? In my mind, I think I can, but in their mind, they tell me that we'll shoot you anytime, anywhere. So they're pretty confident with their ability to shoot the basketball. The funny, <laughs> the funny thing about it is, though, CJ is when I was in college. I hardly ever shot the ball. I didn't become a shooter until I graduated, started playing in adult leagues and started scoring points and thought, hey, this is pretty fun. So I started shooting a lot more as I got older. But in high school and college, I rarely shot the ball. So that just wasn't that wasn't a part of your game growing up. It just became a part of your game. I mean, I just remember Rudy Marisa and Coach DeBruzzo. They always wanted me to shoot more. But I just felt as a point guard when I was out there, I, my job was to get into the paint, get people better shots and 
I was a pass first point guard and, that, and that's what TJ is right now. I mean, he plays for the Pacers, you know, he doesn't worry about scoring. He worries about setting up guys up to score uh, as a pass first point guard as well. And that's kind of always been, that's been a, a development of his game that he always works on is the, or always worked on, at least from what I remember is the, the hundred, a hundred bounce passes, a hundred chest passes, you know, where do you go on the floor after moving without the ball? I mean, and he does all of those things at a very high level. You're right. I mean, he just worked on it and, you know, honed his skills to be able to do those things to take him to play in college. And then, you know, he was fortunate enough to have a great college career at Duquesne and then Arizona and, you know, it propelled him into the NBA. Now, can we talk about that a little bit? What all went into his decision or how did you factor into his decision when it came time to make the jump from Duquesne to Arizona? It's a funny story. Uh, Duquesne, he's at Duquesne. He just finished his uh, sophomore year, made the all defensive team, having a great career. And uh, we're watching Ohio State play down at the Civic Arena. And Duquesne was hosting the NCAAs that year. Mm -hmm. And Aaron Kraft is playing and doing really well. And at halftime, he looks up at me. He's sitting in the seats in front of me. He looks back at me and says, I think I want to transfer to a bigger program. And I said, what? He said, I, I think I want to transfer. I want to, I want to play in the NCAA tournament. I think my best opportunity to play in the NCAA tournament would be going to a bigger program. I said, you know what? We'll, we'll talk about this when we get home. You know, I thought he was just doing some talking. So we get home and he says, Dad, I love Coach Everard. I'm indebted to him. But it, it's just a great opportunity for me to be able to go to a bigger program and try to see if I can, you know, be as do as well at a bigger program. So he said he wanted to transfer and he went in and told Coach Everhart, you know, it broke my heart because I love Coach Everhart. I thought it was, you know, Duquesne was a great fit for him. But then he goes and he and gets interest and it came down to Arizona and it came down to Virginia. And I went on both visits with him. And in all honesty, I recommended Virginia selfishly because I could drive to Virginia and see him play five hours and drive back. I mean, I, that, that doesn't bother me at all. Arizona, I knew the only time I would ever see him play would be on, on TV or maybe occasional trip out to Arizona. So, but we went on a trip to Arizona and I mean, he fell over the campus and the coaches and I, I just knew it was right around the Easter break. And when I came home, I told my wife, I said, your son's going to be going to Arizona, I think. And then that Sunday he said he wants to go to Arizona. So he called Coach Miller and said he was transferred to Arizona. Now, how did, how did your wife take that news at first? Uh, she, she was shocked like I was that he wanted to transfer, but, you know, she knew that he was doing it because he wanted to do it for the best reasons for, to develop his game. And he thought if he went to a bigger program, you know, it would help develop him to be a better player. And, you know, in all honesty, a lot of people thought, you know, he wasn't going to play in Arizona. There were people saying, man, he's crazy if you're going out there. He's not going to even get off the bench. You know, when he got a scholarship offer from Duquesne as a sophomore, there was a guy from Bethel Park that called, that emailed Ron Everhart and said, when did you start recruiting water boys? And Ron Everhart shared that story with us. And you talk about a motivator. You know, when we left Duquesne, TJ said, I'll show him who a water boy is. And, you know, and when he worked out, he would always say to himself, Water, they think I'm a water boy. They think I'm a water boy. And he would work out to, he got it down right. And 
Then when he was going to Arizona, people doubted him and said, you know what, he's not even going to get off the bench. And I think that's what drove TJ to do well was that all the people that second-guessed and doubted his ability for him to be able to play at a high-level Division One program. I would agree. I think that and, and that that's that's always been, in my opinion, when, when anytime I talk to him, he's still got that competitiveness in him. You can't you can't say the wrong thing because he's gonna. Well, all right then. If I if I see you, I'm gonna I'm gonna beat you in that. So that, that's for sure. That's for sure. He has that. He has that. It. He has that competitiveness in him. That I mean, he just he won't take no for an answer. So I'm gonna bring you to the first year coming to Chartres Valley. And I, I talked to you about it right before we started this interview. There's an article, and I wrote an article about you a couple of years ago, and I used this article as one of the motivating factors. Granted, it was a long time. It had been written for a while. When you first got to Chartres Valley, there was an article that came out that said, Coach McConnell goes to basketball hell. Was that using TJ's example of the there's a little chip now, now I'm going to prove we'll see what basketball hell is. Did that factor into you coaching at all? Or was that just a, okay, that's an opinion. And let me show you how good we really can be. When I first took over at Char Valley, there was a, a gentleman who called me and said, uh, you should not take the job at Char Valley. It's the hellhole of high school basketball. And he said, you'll never win there. Well, I'm a 27-year-old young guy that thinks I can conquer the world. And I didn't listen one bit. And I came in here and I, you know, I when I recruited in Waynesburg, when I was an assistant there, I would go watch high school games. And the one thing that I really noticed was that kids didn't play hard. They didn't go out there and play hard. And that was the first thing that we had to change when we came to Char Valley is to teach the kids how to play hard. And you know, my motto is when you when you play hard, good things are going to happen. And that's what we talked about. You know, we I've been here 29 years, boys and girls. When we disperse from the huddle, the only saying we've used for 29 years is hard work. Because when you work hard, good things are going to happen for you. And that's the motto that we used and we talked to our kids about it. I mean, we we came in and we changed the mindset and we showed the kids what what happens when you play hard and what happens when you, when you're willing to put the time in and they bought in, you know, I had guys like Armorell Nikolai and um, Micklin and McCray, uh, you know, uh, uh, Colbert. Those are the guys who were here when I first got here and, you know, they, they helped turn this program around and helped me to build what we have today. Well, and, and for those of you at home that don't understand what, what Coach McConnell was told when he was told he was going to the hellhole of, of high school basketball, before Coach McConnell arrived at Chartres Valley, they had won three section titles total. Um, and the year prior, they had gone five and 17. Um, now, was it an immediate change or did it take a couple of years to get to a point where you were a competitive team? First year, we went 17-8, and eight, made the playoffs. And then after that, I mean, it just took off. Guys were in the gym all summer. They, they, they were excited about the success, and they wanted more. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't give them enough. They wanted to be in the gym way more than I was willing to be here. I mean, it was, it, it was a great opportunity for me just being there with these guys and the, the time they wanted to put in and what they wanted to accomplish. And uh, 
it, it just kept snowballing from there. Well, I think that's a good place. We'll pause and then we're going to unpack the 25 years on the men's side and the four years so far on the women's side. I have to pause and send it to a staple of the town of Bethany, Chambers General Store. If they don't have it, you don't need it. It's a fact. You can get it on a t-shirt, actually. If you're in Bethany, stop in and get a t-shirt. If not, go to their Facebook page and you can order one there. They also do daily lunch specials, soups every day. Uh, there's a fish special every Friday for the, for the remainder of Lent and, um, pretty much anything. If you, if you want a cold cut sandwich, you want to, whatever the lunch special is, he'll mix and match anything you want. Um, but this is coach Tim McConnell of Chartiers Valley with the, now the Chartiers Valley head girls coach. Um, I am Carlo Guadagnino. This is Dingo Talk and we will be right back. You're watching another exciting episode of Dingo Talk, recorded deep in the hidden lair in Bethany, West Virginia, where when you visit, make sure you stop by Chambers General Store. Grab one of our hot breakfast sandwiches made fresh all day. Don't forget the biscuits and gravy or one of the daily lunch specials. And if none of that trips your trigger, cold cut sub sandwiches and wraps made fresh all day to your order. Hey, and don't be the only alumni on the block that doesn't have the Chambers, if you, we don't have it, you don't need it t-shirt or the latest edition of the Bethany, West Virginia shroom capital of the world in the psychedelic green. Hey, now back to you, Carlo. What's going on, Chuckleheads? I am Carlo Guadagnino. My guest, Coach Tim McConnell of the Chartiers Valley women's basketball team. Uh, we left off. Coach was letting us know about those early years at Chartiers Valley and the building blocks of the program. Um, I kind of want to get into a couple of things with you, Coach. First, uh, as a product of the Tim McConnell shooting camps and basketball camps, what goes into the camps every year? Because every year it seems like they, they get bigger. You have players that graduated that want to come back and be a part of it. You have players that are on the current roster that want to be a part of it. Um, and it, it develop. I mean, you're starting development at second, third, some, at some cases, first grade. Why? What goes into bringing in the young kids and what's the difference between working with the young kids and then getting to those kids that come in when they're older? Great question. I, I think the biggest key is the reason we run summer camps here and programs is because fundamentals is the most important thing if you want to be a great basketball player. You've got to be fundamentally sound. You have to know how to dribble. You have to know how to pivot. You have to know how to pass, catch, shoot, rebound. And when we run camps, you know, we do all the fundamentals. We make sure that they have a game plan when they walk out the door at the end of the week, that they have a game plan to be able to go throughout the summer and work on the things. You know, we talk about don't hide from your weaknesses. You know, you're good at something because you keep working on the stuff you're good at, but you got to learn what you're not as good at. Maybe you're not as good with your left hand. You know, we talk about start cutting your food with your left hand, start opening the door with your left hand, try to make your opposite hand as strong as your good hand. And that's, you know, to make you versatile, be able to go both directions. I tell one of the pet peeves of mine is when I go to a game and I hear a coach say, make him go right, make him go right, make him go right, because he has no left hand. Well, if you work on those fundamentals and you're able to go both directions, you know, they can't make you go one way or the other because you're so good at going both directions. But fundamentals is the very most important thing that we work on through camps. Well, and I can still, 
I can still picture in my head tennis balls flying up in the air while you're dribbling with one hand and switching over and and dribbling and tossing tossing tennis balls back and forth. Um, what of the fundamentals? What is the the goal when they come back to the like? Is there a goal for you when you see a kid come to camp every year? Do you want to see that improvement, or is it? Is that the only goal or do you want to see, okay, now you got good at this. Now we're going to start making you uncomfortable with this that you're not necessarily. Yeah. Once they get to a level, you know, where they accomplished, it, it's now pushing to the next level. Now, are you able to take those fundamentals and put them into a game situation and be able to, you know, play defense and, and make those moves when somebody's guarding you or be able to hit shots when somebody's contesting you. So, you know, we do a lot of different things where, they get to a certain level and then we push them to the next level. You know, when you talked about the tennis balls at camp, CG, I don't know if you remember, but I remember this like it was yesterday. We did a drill with, you know, at camp where we do the block and dummy and we call them cupcakes. And you were the biggest cupcake that week at camp because you couldn't make, no, I'm just teasing, just teasing you. <laughs> Well, I do remember that you, me, and that pad had a very, we had a very good conversation a couple times. There's no doubt about it. You know, when I'm frustrated with, you know, someone, I bring out the pad and I'm able to hit them a little extra harder to say I'm trying to make them tougher. This way they can't say it's child abuse or anything like that. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I learned how to shoot a three-pointer. I stopped, I stopped passing up three, <laughs> three open shots because... I was afraid to shoot a three and I got told, well, if you never shoot it, you're never going to miss it. So, <laughs> well, we wanted um, you to work on your shot a little bit more. And once you worked on your shot, then we gave you the freedom from freeze. I remember when Mr. Lamondi was coaching you, he told me that you like to shoot the three a lot. So I remember that. That and I had that awful turnaround jumper that you got me to get rid of. <laughs> I thought I was Kobe Bryant with the kick leg and that wasn't a real yeah. thing. Um, so away from camp, now we're we're gonna we're gonna dive right back in. So 25 years as the head men's basketball coach. In that time, there were 16 section titles, six Whippeal titles, and two runner-ups for the PIAs. Now, the last runner-up for the PIA was was kind of special because that's is that TJ senior year or is it Maddie's TJ senior year? That was TJ senior year. We played Newman Garetti, and honestly, they had like seven Division One players. And before the game, you know, they were supposed to beat us by 30. And that game was at Penn State. I remember that game. Oh, what a game. And uh, we had the ball at the end, and we were down two. We tried to take a three to win the game because we knew they were much better than us. But we just fought so hard. And, you know, I know we lost the game, but I could have been more proud of those guys to go out there and play against a team like Newman Garetti because, I mean, before the game was started, they had us already losing and Newman Grady champions. And, you know, we fought hard that game and Newman Grady even was scared at the end. They even admitted, wow, we, we didn't expect it to be this close. Now, what is that? So you're, so you're going through TJ senior year. What is that last run? Like, you know, so you get the Whippeo championship. Now you go into the state tournament and then you come to that last game. What is that like for you, not as a coach, but as a, as a father, you're right there. I mean, that's, that's your son's last high school, your, your oldest son's last high school game where most parents are sitting in the stands watching and it's, you know, I'm sorry that this happened. What's it like for you? Because there's, there's kind of a conflict there between being a coach and being a dad. In all honesty, when we went to that game, I, I didn't think of it as a dad. 
I was just thinking of it as a coach and trying to help this team to win a state title. But after the game was over, I got to reflect and I, I was sad that it was my son's last game and the last time I was going to be able to coach him. But, you know, it, it was a great ride to four years in high school that I had with TJ. And then we move down the line. You're going to, you're going to win another Whippeal title with your, with your, your next son, Maddie. Um, what are the, what would you say the biggest differences are? And I don't want to get you in trouble with TJ or Maddie, but one-on-one -on -one game, what's the strength versus what's the weakness of both players? I thought TJ's pull-up jumper was, was really good. I thought his shot was good. I thought Maddie was stronger. He took the ball to the hoop better. Uh, Maddie rebounded a lot better. Not that TJ didn't rebound, but Maddie just had a bigger frame on him and he could take the pounding and go inside uh, more than TJ. They were a little bit different in that aspect where Maddie could do more things inside and TJ did a little bit more outside. Not that Maddie didn't like to shoot the ball, though, but he shot it. But his body let him be a little bit more physical than TJ was. So if we, for your 25 years, if we had to break down your and I, I know you don't like to do this, but your your top five, the players that have come through, that came through the men's program. You named a couple of them that I that I remember hearing about. Uh, Nikolai Colbert, uh, Jerry Harness's name comes to mind. TJ's name comes to mind. Eli Maravich's name comes to mind. Who would you say you're, and it doesn't have to be in any order. I'm just saying the, the five best players that have come through your program on the men's side. You know, I, I don't know if you could say the five best because everyone was great in their own way. Like Travis McKenzie, not a great scorer, but if I had five Travis McKenzie's that year, we don't lose a game because he's so tenacious and plays defense and hustles. I'd Mike Sherry was a great shooter. Um, Armrell Nikolai, Ahmed. Um, wow. I mean, there, there's so many great players that came through this program. Um, you know, Spencer came through and it was one of the best shot blockers. Spencer Castle was one of the best shot blockers we ever had. I mean, um, I mean, to sit down and name the best five, ooh, that, that would be a, the Pilettis. They were tough as nails. They played defense and rebound and did all the little things. Um, I mean, you're talking about some guys that I, I really would have a tough time putting the list together. You know, Mike Colbert and Dave Colbert, you know, was older than him, set the, set the tone for everyone. Uh, Mike Colbert was a great shooter. Uh, Whew, there's some really good players that, that when you talk about those guys. So I don't know if I could really do a tough five. We had Brad Hensler. Brad Hensler, when I first saw Brad Hensler, I said, this kid will never play for me because he was a short little kid. And he ended up being one of the best players on that team and just really did a lot of things for this team. It was just, man, when you ask me to name the top five, that would be impossible. But that's, I think that's as good of an answer as anybody could give for that because you really have had that many guys that have come through and like you said every one of them is their own you know you might not one guy might not be a scorer but he's a hell of a defender and he gets rebounds and he does all the chippy stuff yeah each and every each and every one like brian gochet Derek mckenzie i mean they were all good in their own way it, it they, they may not have been the best but they were the best for that team that year and the success i mean it, it's just there's been so many good players. I mean, I have so many good memories and great relationships with players that, you know, I, that still keep in touch with me. So it, it's been a great 25 years on the boys' side. Well, the last thing I will say about the boys' side, and the only reason I'm going to bring it up is because my dad will, my, when my dad watches this, he will ask me why I didn't ask this question if I didn't. 
So I'm going to take you back to Union. You played Uniontown in the Whitfield Championship game. They early days of the pulling the camera into the into the huddles as the timeouts are going on, and he uses he used a quote for me the three years after I left Chartier's Valley that stuck with me. It was from you, uh, the point guard for I think it was a point guard or a shooting guard for Uniontown had a good first half. Coming out of the second half, there's a timeout, and I think you tell one of the McKenzie brothers. <clears throat> I don't. I want you inside his shorts. I want you to tell me what Keller's underwear he's wearing. I mean, because that Union Time, we sh we should never beat Union Time. But that that's what you're talking about right there is why Char Valley has been great because we should have never beat Union Time. But those kids come out and played, and Kareem El Nikolai played the game of his life. Glenn Miner. I mean, you, you you talk about guys that shouldn't have been doing what they're doing. But you're right. I told it might have been the McKenzie. Uh, brother that you get inside his shorts and you tell me what a Keller underwear that's how close I want you to him and that was how I was told to play defense for the rest of the time after he heard that you know the thing is you know when you talk about fundamentals sometimes I tell our campers sometimes you're not as skilled offensively but if you can go out and stop the best player your coach is going to find playing time for you because you are keeping them from scoring. The object of the game is to outscore the other team. So if you can keep the other opponent from scoring, your coach is going to have you on the floor. So, and moving now that we, so we wrap up the 25 years as the men's coach, what factored in to the move over to the women's side? And what is the biggest difference that you've noticed from coaching men's basketball and coaching women's basketball? I think that the reason I moved over was I, I think, you know, being here 25 years, I think the last couple of years, the players got a little stale. I don't think they were listening to me as well. And I just thought they needed a change. I needed a change. And the girls coach resigned here. And uh, it, my daughter being here had, had no factor whatsoever into going to coach the girls side. Um, I just thought it was a good opportunity to take a change and move in a new direction I love Char Valley. I didn't want to leave Char Valley and the job was open here. So I just thought it would be a good change for me to go to the other side. Uh, two of the biggest differences, I think the girls, they go to the bathroom a lot more than the boys. We'll be practicing and girls are running out to go to the bathroom in the locker room. I'm like, where are you going? You got to go to the bathroom, coach. I mean, uh, but, but I think the one thing that the girls do is they listen better. They don't think they know everything. Like there were some boys, you know, that times would like look at me and say, you know, I, I already know what you're talking about. You don't need to coach me. I know, I know. But the girls, when you coach them, they look at you like, tell me anything I need to do to get better. And they, and they really take it and, and take it to heart. Well, and I would say so 110 and seven with this group of four, this group of seniors here that just, that is graduating this year. Um, three Whitfield titles, three Whitfield titles. Three with and three, one state title and two runner-ups. That's correct. And we had the and COVID year. We were twenty-seven and zero. So I, I really believe we would have been state champions that year. Well, and that 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 followed in that falls into that year of, that was continuing the streak of the sixty-four wins in a row. I don't think I think the way you described um, Norman Gary on. On the men's side, I think a lot of people those first two years when they saw how dominant the program was on the women's side, I don't think anybody had you guys losing for two or three years down the line as that as that streak kept going. 
How did you keep everybody focused during that, especially with the COVID year and everything kind of shutting down as abruptly as it did? You know what? We never talked about the streak. We never even, never even addressed it. Like I didn't get into coaching for streaks or anything like that. So that, that wasn't something that was a priority here. Um, once it was over, we, you know, we talked about it to the girls, how some, you know, it's something that can be very special when they think about it, when they, you know, they have their own kids and they talk about their success and their, their, what they did in the program. But, um, it was never addressed. We never even talked about, oh, my, we got to win this game. That The streak continues. We just went out and played. And, you know, at the when I reflected on this team that went 110 and 7, the, the thing that's the most amazing to me is these girls came to play every night. You know, you're talking about young 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18-year-old girls. And sometimes – you know, when you have young people like that, they're a little bit immature and they're not ready. And they're not this group. They came focused, they practiced. And that, that, that's the one thing about this group that I'll remember is they night in and night out came ready for practice or games and stayed focused. Now, I, I'm not going to ask you if you were getting ready to retire because I don't, I don't foresee you leaving until coach, till you say, yeah, I'm, I'm good. I've done everything I want to do. Um, but what is it like getting the opportunity to, to coach your, your children? And I feel like there's always been this rumor that, oh, Coach McConnell's heading to – he's going to head to the college level. He's going to head to this school. He's going to head to that school. Has it, did it ever enter your mind of going to the next level and coaching at the, at the collegiate level, or did you like being at the development level in, in high school? You know, I went to be a grad assistant at Canisius, and – I mean, we flew all around the country, and in all honesty, I don't like flying. I got to take Dramamine when I fly. I get sick. Um, it just wasn't enjoyable to me to fly all around the country and be on the planes and be away. And I, I, I think I'm where I need to be. High school basketball, you know, is something that I really enjoyed. You know, people say about coaching my kids, well, I coached many years before my children ever played for me. So I didn't get into coaching so I could coach my children. Never knew how good my kid, my kids would be or if I even would have kids when I got into coaching because I didn't have kids at the time. Mm -hmm. But uh, it, it, it's been something that I look back on and, and really enjoy. And the time that I got to spend with my kids in the gym and coach other kids and the relationships that I built with boys and girls when you get invited to somebody's wedding or somebody's having a baby and they, you know, they call you and say they just had their first child or, you know, the, the, the texts and the calls that I get from former players, boys and girls, um, when I reflect on it, then I know that I made the right decision on what I did with coaching because uh, the relationships that I built with people is, is what it's all about. Um, there's, there's two phrases that I want you to kind of dive into. And it's, we're going to take you back to camp because that's where I, I learned them. So the first one is if five guys or, or girls act like this and you slap somebody, it's going to sting a little bit. It's not going to hurt. And let me see if I got this one right, though. If I put them all together and I pull back, I'm going to knock you into the next time zone. Why is that the... Why is that the example? Because, I mean, clearly it's easier to, for a visual, but 
what is it about that statement with five guys or girls acting as individuals as opposed to the unit? Because when you talk about a basketball team, it takes five players on the floor to be on the same page and the same goal. And like, if you have five individuals playing five different directions, shooting the ball, not passing, yeah, you have talent, you might win some games, but if you take those same five and they may not be as talented, you bring them together and you work for one common goal for each other, you will be way more powerful than any talented team out there. And that's, that's been Char Valley basketball, boys or girls, because that's why we've been successful is because they play as a team and they work hard. Those are the two main ingredients, play hard and play together as a team and share the ball and play for each other. Don't play for personal goals and personal, you know, name in the paper. And that's, I've been very fortunate for 29 years at Char Valley where the, the players have bought into that. And that's one of the main reasons why we've been successful here. And then the other quote goes into the success at Chartres Valley as well, which is your attitude determines your altitude. And my, favorite saying, my favorite saying of all time. And I'd like uh, you to dive in, but dive in. I want to hear it. Yeah. I mean, I learned as a young, young child, you know, my dad preaching to me that you cannot be successful if you have a bad attitude, you know, bad attitude is like cancer. Cancer spreads and it kills. Um, and if you have a great attitude, and all of the players on the team come and they have great attitudes, you're going to be successful because you're going to work hard. You're going to care about each other. But, you know, if somebody has a bad attitude, you know, Michael Jordan could be the greatest player. If he had a bad attitude and, and didn't get along with his teammates and stuff, that team would have never been successful. But he was so competitive. His attitude was to bring everyone on the same level as him and make them work hard. Um, but I just think, you know, when you say your attitude determines your altitude, if you have a bad attitude in business, if you have a bad attitude about school, if you have a bad attitude at home, it, you're never going to be successful. You're going to fight with your parents. Your grades are going to be bad. Your boss is not going to like you. You're not going to like your job. But if you go and you have a positive attitude and you do the things, you know, that, that you enjoy with your attitude, you're, you're going to be way more successful. You know, it's, it's, it's way more beneficial to have a great attitude than it is to have a bad attitude. Absolutely. Um, last question. What are three things that a basketball player at home can do over this, this summer that's coming up that can improve their skills as a basketball player? First of all, they need to be honest with themselves. They need to sit down and say, you know, on a notepad, take notes. What am I good at? What am I not good at? And find out. And then the things that they're good at continue to get better, but they got to find out their weaknesses, what's holding them back. Uh, what do they have to improve on to get more playing time, to make the team? Um, I think, you know, goals are really important in my life. I, I talk to young people about setting goals. When you set goals and, you know, you write them down and you look at them, you know, you'll do, you'll look at them each day. And one of your goals might be, I want to be a division one basketball player. You know, I remember TJ telling me in seventh grade Dad, I want to play division one basketball. That's one of my goals. I said, okay, write it down. But you know what? You better do something every day to help get that skill to make you a better basketball player and to become a division one basketball player. It's easy to say to talk, but are you willing to make the sacrifices to go do those things? And that's my last one. It's making sacrifices. You know, your buddies this summer, they're going to be going to the pool. They're going to be going to the movies. They're going to be going and doing things. 
are you willing to put that stuff aside to be able to make those sacrifices to make yourself a better player so that it benefits you in the long run? Well, Coach, I wanted to say thank you for taking the time to sit down with us. Make sure you say hello to Mrs. Miss Gannon, Coach Sherry, uh, everybody in the family, Mrs. McConnell, TJ, Maddie, Megan. I mean, I haven't seen Megan. The last time I saw her, she was – I feel old by making that statement, but the last time I saw her, she was, uh, she was just running around with a basketball that was as big as hers. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, CJ, thanks for having me. I love it. Anytime you want to uh, chat, I, I love it, and I will do it anytime. But I appreciate, and I just remember all the good times we had. There were some bad times that you and I had. I mean, we had to talk about your attitude sometimes. We had to talk about your work ethic. But you know what? You turned out to be a fine young man, and I'm proud of you, my friend. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Um, you this, this has been Coach McConnell, Chartres Valley women, head women's basketball coach. Uh, I am Carla Guadagnino. You can find us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcast, iHeart Music. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at, at Dingo Talk, Instagram, Dingo underscore talk, TikTok. I'm not really sure how that works, but I keep putting videos there. So look up Dingo Talk on that. Um, we're here every Thursday. This is coach, head coach Tim McConnell from the Chartiers Valley Women's Basketball Program. I'm Carla Guadagnino, and we will see you next week, Chuckleheads. You